Brother Jimmy, when you started talking this evening, I thought to myself, I said, this is, apparently it's a bad evening to talk about sports. But I have a little bit of a theme here, and the message sort of relates to sports, but I'm, I promise you I'm not going to get up here and preach to you about sports. No, but I'm thankful to be here this evening, thankful for the Lord, thankful for what he means to me, but more than that, I'm thankful for what I mean to him. Amen. And it's not anything in and of me, but it's the fact that God would be willing to wrap himself in flesh and yes, come sir. down to this sinful earth and yep. to live a perfect life for 33 and a half years approximately and then go and willingly lay down his life and shed his blood so that you and I might be able to come to him. And I tell you, not anybody, not, not just anybody's going to do that for you. And I tell you, furthermore, if other people would have been willing to do it for you, it wouldn't have been as good as the way Jesus did it. Thankful for the Lord this evening. Thankful for the sacrifice made at Calvary. Thankful that he resurrected on the third day. I'm thankful. <laughs> Just thankful for what God has done in my life and the blessings he's bestowed on me. I tell you, I don't think this is what we're going to preach tonight, but over in the book of Exodus, you find a phrase there and it says, I love my master. Hey, and I love him this evening. Hey, and I can't even love him in a perfect way, but I love my master. Hey, I love him for who he is, regardless of anything that he's done for me. I love him simply for who he is. You see, he paid a debt that I owed and I couldn't pay it. I didn't have enough money. I could have lived 15,000 years and never have enough money to pay the debt that Christ paid at Calvary for you and I. And I don't know what that kind of love that is exactly. I can't put it into words to explain it to you. Hey, but it's a love so great. It's a love so sweet. It's a love so deep. Hey, that I'm just thankful for it this evening. Thankful for the Lord. Don't understand why he'd love somebody like me. Don't understand why he'd be willing to use somebody like me. I'm not worthy to even utter the name Jesus. But I'm thankful that through him I'm able to come boldly. In other words, God expects me to come to him, to spend some time with him. Hebrews chapter 12. Start reading in verse 1, just a few verses this evening. The Bible says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great, so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him 
that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. Pray with me and pray for me. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you this evening. God, we ask you to clear my mind. God, Lord, we ask you to guide my tongue. God, Lord, that I wouldn't say anything out of the way and I'd say exactly what you'd have me to say. God, I pray for the congregation. God, Lord, that their hearts would have been prepared. God, Lord, that they'd be willing to listen for just a little while this evening. God, not to me, God, Lord, but to what you have to say to them. God, we pray that you just guide us here in this moment, God, Lord, and that you'd use us. God, we ask you to forgive us of anything that we've done, God, Lord, that might hinder the service, God. Lord, we just want to be in your perfect will. God, we just want you to use us here this evening. Lord, we love and appreciate you. Thank you for all that you do for us. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So, yeah, today is August the 20th. We're a little more than halfway into the year, but uh, for just a little while, I want to kind of give you a, a halftime speech. And anybody who played football understands what those halftime speeches can be like. They're not always pleasant. They're not always very fun. But I tell you, oftentimes if you get the right team and you have the right coach and the circumstances fall just right and you head into that locker room right at halftime, the coach can give you a speech and it seems like a whole different football team comes out the second half. Hey, but I want to encourage you this evening. I want to challenge you this evening to run the race. Simply, that's the title of the message this evening, is to run the race. We see here in the book of Hebrews that the writer uh, is trying to convey one main point, and is that Jesus is better. He's better than anything that you can come up with. He's better than anything that you can conjure up. He's better than any counterfeit the devil could ever present you. Jesus is simply better. By Jesus, we have a better sacrifice. By Jesus, we have a better covenant. Hey, by Jesus, we have a better Savior. I tell you what, Jesus is just simply better. Hey, hey, we could just preach on that fact here this evening that Jesus Christ is better. He's better than your wife. He's better than your husband. He's better than your job. He's better than anything. I tell you, I can't put into words how good he is. He's simply better. He's better than your children. He's better than your parents. Christ is better. He's better than anything else you've ever had in this world. Drugs couldn't hold you. Hey, they couldn't satisfy you the way that Christ does. Hey, your job cannot satisfy you the way that Christ does. Hey, and if you don't know him this evening, come and get a dose. Hey, I promise you, he'll be better than anything you've ever tried. Christ is better. Hey, and we find here as we come to chapter 12 that we see that the power of Christ brings hope to every believer. It brings a hope that we're able to continue on. It brings a hope, and I'm not talking about, well, I hope that I wake up tomorrow and I've got $100,000 sitting in my bank account. That's not the kind of hope that I'm talking about. Hey, but this is an assurance. It's something that I'm expecting to happen. That's the kind of hope that Christ brings. Hey, after I got saved and I began to learn a little more about Christ, I began to know him better and understand things of the word better. Hey, I now have a hope that one day I'm going to see him face to face one day I'm going to stand before a thrice holy God and he's going to judge my life accordingly. He's not going to judge me on whether I'm going to heaven or hell because Christ has already paid that debt. But what I have done to serve him will be put on fire before him. Hey, you might think, well, I don't really want to hope for that. I hate to tell you, but it's something that you should expect to stand before God one day. Christ brings a hope and for the believer, for this child of God, there is a hope that we can run the race. There is a hope and expectation that we can excel at what God has called us to do. So our race that we have to run, our race is personal, Brother Jimmy. 
I can't run your race and you can't run my race. It's a personal race. God has laid out a very specific path for you and I. Hey, and we have to run our race. Hey, youth, listen to me. You can't run your friend's race. You can't run this person's race. You can't run that person's race. But you must run the race that God has for you. And some of you are looking at me like I really don't like running a whole lot. Neither do I. Hey, but I tell you what, when God has called us to something, just think about it like this. You're down at the starting line. Hey, and they're getting ready to fire the gun and you see the track in front of you and it is your race. You need to stay in your lane and you need to run the race that God has called you to. Now whatever that is you need to be faithful to it. I'm not going to tell you you're always going to like it. I'm not going to tell you it's always going to be easy but you have a race that God has personally called you to and regardless of the race that he has called you to he's given you some gifts and given you some abilities so that you might excel and that you might exceed at running the race that's before you. It's a personal race. Not only is it a personal race, but it's a possible race. You want to know how I know that it's possible? It's not because this is my second or third life and I've already done this a couple times. No, it is because Christ has done it before me. The Bible says the author and the finisher of our faith, meaning this, that he started it, he finished it, and now he is our example to go by. And guess what? He'll even run the race with you. Hey, I tell you what, when we were in football practice years ago, I always thought it commendable of those who would finish all their drills first and they'd finish running these gassers and I mean we were gassed by the time we got finished and they'd come back and they'd run with somebody else I tell you what I really didn't like doing my own I didn't want to have to go do yours with you either hey, but I'm thankful that Christ even though he has done everything that God has called him to do is willing to run the race with you He's willing to empower you to run your race Christ is willing to go every single step of the way with you but oftentimes we don't want to let him but it's a possible race. Not only is it personal, not only is it possible, but it's purposeful. We're not just running to run. There's a goal in mind. When I played middle school football, our coach's philosophy was this. If we would be in better shape than everybody else, it really didn't matter if we were better than everybody else. We could outlast them understand it's a purposeful race sometimes you don't understand what God has you going through but there is a purpose to it God might be putting you through something now so that you can better handle something later hey you don't see the whole course like God does there is a purpose to what God has called us to you might think well man everything that's happened in my life has been terrible everything this that and the other maybe God has used all of that to get you to right where you're at now there is a purpose to the race that we're to run. That's the introduction. Our race is personable, or, or personal. Our race is possible. And our race is purposeful. As we strive to run the race, there are certain things we need to recall as we do so so that we might succeed at the Christian life. Hey, sometimes we need to kind of reset. Sometimes we need a little bit of a half time to catch our breath. And for somebody who's not right down in the middle of it out on the field to begin to give you a survey of what's happening. I tell you, I always appreciated coaches that I had in my life. And when I played sports, they would tell me what I couldn't see on the field. Now, sometimes I needed yelled at. 
Sometimes, and that's what some of them would do. I mean, they'd grab you by the face mask and they'd just get right up in your grill. You'd smell chewing tobacco and everything else. And I mean, I, I still remember it today. But understand, sometimes what you need is for somebody to lay out the field for you. You need them to tell you, do you see what's happening over here? You say, no, I can't see what's going on over here. You say, I'm just focused right here. But understand, what's happening here is affecting what's happening over here. So don't think that you can just zone in on one part of your Christian walk. We have got to get balanced overall. We've got to be able to survey the whole field and understand what it is so that we might run the race. We need to run the race. We need to keep some things in mind as we run the race. So regardless of your age, regardless of what has happened, regardless of this, that, or the other, but we need to take notice of some things as we run the race. Notice what the Bible says. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Point number one, there are witnesses that compass. What does that mean? Sometimes the Bible uses words that I don't understand. But what it means is if you've ever watched the Olympics, there's a great big crowd of people. And there's even more who watch on TV all around the world. All at the same time, they're watching this one event. And there's some events that I think are just as boring as mud. I wouldn't watch them if you paid me to. Well, it depends on how much you pay me. But there are some events that are just very interesting to me. I don't like to watch running, really. I don't like to watch track, but there are some of those events, like hurdles, that are interesting. It seems that they use, those people, they just glide over top of them, like gazelles or something. It's always interesting when they hit one, they're bound to hit every other one. <laughs> so, a little entertainment. But there are witnesses that can pass. So what that means is kind of like this right now. All these people looking at me. There are people watching you as you run the race. You say, well, ain't nobody care about me. Nobody cares how I run my race. Well, I beg to differ. There are those who care how you run your race. I tell you, there's a man sitting right here who cares how you run your race. There are other adults in this church, other brothers and sisters who care how you run your race. But who is it that is watching us race? Read some commentaries. Some said it's referring back to chapter 11. Heroes of the faith. I suppose that could be true. Some say it's any saint who's gone on before us. Maybe not recorded down in chapter 11. Watching over the grandstand of heaven. And saying, look, there goes Jimmy Whittington. Quicker than grease lightning. There he goes. They say, there goes Franny. There she goes. Running another lap. Relay. Here we go. Passing that baton off. I don't know necessarily who it is, but I think more importantly than the heroes of the faith, more importantly than those who have gone on before us, we need to be concerned with the fact that God is watching us race, that God is looking at our life, and God is looking to see how we run our race. So those that are watching us, there are those that are looking to imitate Ray and Remy, oftentimes so sweet. Oftentimes, I mean, it just seems like they just cut loose and they're not going to listen to anything. And for those that have kids, you all understand what I mean. And I find this to be truer and truer every day. It just seems that they'll imitate certain things and they always imitate things you really don't want them to. But 
oftentimes it's so funny when they imitate. Remy is pushing her boundaries, probably with Brandy right now as I speak. She just does not want to listen. And she knows, because if you get up and come towards her, she'll get down or quit doing whatever it is she's doing. So it's not that she don't understand us. She's just trying to see how far you'll let her go. Pushing the boundaries. But there are those that are looking to imitate. And it's funny, she knows what happens to her when she doesn't listen. But she also knows what happens to Rhea when Rhea doesn't listen. And it's the same thing. I get the little hand smacked, get the little legs smacked. I ain't saying we beat them, but I'm just telling you, we're trying to correct them. But it's funny, Remy will come over to Rhea whenever Rhea's doing something she's not supposed to, and she'll get her leg and <laughs> right there on her. She's imitating what she's seen mommy and daddy do. But I'll tell you what, when it comes to our race as a Christian, how much more should we pay attention to what we do? Because those are, there are those that are looking to imitate. Hey, And I'll go ahead and tell you, I'm not a perfect example. The only perfect example we have is Christ. Even out of all these heroes of the faith that we read about in chapter 11, there are no perfect examples other than Christ. But we need to be careful in how we run our race because there are those looking to imitate. Hey, adults in here, youth that might think, well, I don't have any kids in the youth group. I don't have grandkids in the youth group. I tell you what, some of these youth are looking at you to see how you run your race and that's why it's important in how we run our race because there are those looking to imitate. Not only are those looking to imitate, but there are those looking to inflict. You say, oh, who's looking to hurt me? Who's looking to inflict pain or whatever on me? Well, what does the Bible tell us about Satan? It says that he is a roaring lion seeking those whom he may devour. I'm telling you, he's not just wanting to chew on your finger or gnaw on you a little bit like he's saying, though. He wants to rip you to shreds. He wants to destroy your life and render it useless for the kingdom of God. There are those looking to inflict. And I tell you what, oftentimes he'll use other people to bring about pain and things in your life so that you will be rendered useless and you won't run the race. So there are those looking to imitate, those looking to inflict, but there are also those looking to inspect. There are those looking to inspect. Christ is looking to inspect our lives. A thrice holy God is looking to inspect our lives. I tell you, every day when we get up and we do our Bible study, whatever time of day it is that you do it, that ought to be an inspection time of your life to see where you measure up and where you fall short. The Bible tells us in the book of James that it ought to be like looking in a mirror. And some of you have looked in a mirror today. And some of you thought to yourself, man, I look good. And some of you looked in the mirror and thought, man, I've got to get it together. But nobody that's of sound mind and has good sense is going to look in a mirror and see mud all over their face and everything messed up in their life and think, man, I've really got it together. Let's go meet the president or let's go meet the governor. Let's go meet whoever it is that you want to meet. Hey, but how often do we do that? You hear the preacher preach and he says, you need to get this out of your life and you need to get this out of your life or do this or do that. And this is what the Bible says. And you'll look and you'll say, okay, I agree with what the preacher's saying. That's what the Bible says. But you look in the mirror and you see that I'm filthy, that you're dirty and this, that and the other and you don't do anything about it. One day, there's going to be an inspection of your life. Yes, sir. And it's not going to be one that you can hide from. 
It's not going to be like when the feds come in and these tax agencies and different things and they begin shredding papers like you see on the uh, movies and different things and let's get rid of this, let's get rid of that. No, it's not going to work that way because even if you could do that, God can piece it all right back together just the way it is and He can tell you exactly who you were while you were here on earth and tell you exactly what you did and your intentions for doing them. Hey, God is going to do a thorough inspection of your life and I hate to say most people are probably going to be shocked to find out some things about themselves there's going to be an inspection of your life and of my life but I want to run my race I want to run my race in a way that would be pleasing to God and I can stand up here and tell you that I, oh, I've ran my race in such a way that there's no flaw, there's no misstep. I never stepped outside of what God had called. And that would be a lie, and I'm not going to do that to you. Hey, but I want a purpose in my heart that I would run the race in a way that would be pleasing to God so that when I get to the end, so that when I get to the finish line, I could hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant, so that I might have something left after the inspection of my life that I could give back to God. Those are the witnesses that can pass. Not only are there witnesses that can pass, notice what it says here. Keep reading. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin that which doth so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Not only are there witnesses that can pass, but there are weights to cast. There are weights to cast. I don't know if we have any runners in here. I guess it's good for you. People like to do it. I mean, I, I just don't understand to run for no reason. But if you have a goal in mind and you just want to run, just run all you want to. Like Forrest Gump, I just kept running and running and running and running. I, I just don't understand it. It don't make a lot of sense to me. Now, if you tell me, go run after ice cream truck or go run for this or go run for that. If there's a goal in mind, I get it. But you know, as I begin to talk to people who ran and people who like to run, some of the things that make them want to run, they want a new personal record. They want a new personal best. That's great. That's a goal to run for. I really don't care how fast to run, so I don't run. But there are weights to cast. Understand this. People who run, people who strive for this, who want to do this, oftentimes they'll put weights on. They'll put a vest on and they'll put weights down in it. Five pounds here, five pounds there. They'll put weights around their ankle. They'll run in rough terrain. They'll run this way. They'll run that way. They'll run in the morning. They'll run at night. They'll run all over the place. They just want, they're just going to run. But when it comes time for the race... When it comes time, they're not going to run with those weights. That would be dumb to try to run with things that you don't need to run with. But oftentimes as Christians, what we do, we'll put all these things on us and think that we can run with these things. Think that we can please God by adding extra things to our life. I tell you what would please God if we'd have enough faith in Him that we would just run the track that God's laid out in front of us and do so the very way that He's told us to do it. There are weights to cast. Those weights can be helpful, but most of the time, the weights are hurtful. Most of the time, when it comes to our spiritual life, we'll pick up this sin. 
we'll pick up this one or we'll pick up this friend and we'll try to run what God has called us to do with these extra things. And all at the same time, God's saying, lay them aside. Lay them aside. You don't need it to run. You don't need that to run. You don't need this. You don't need that. Or it's hindering in your run. We need to be willing to lay aside those things. And notice what the Bible says. It did not say lay aside the boulders that you're trying to push down the track. No, it said lay aside every weight that does so easily beset you. Lay aside the things that so easily beset you. What are those things? Football. Friends. Your cell phone. Social media. I tell you what, your family. I tell you what, sometimes my kids beset me. Sometimes my wife besets me. And I don't mean that as a bad thing, but sometimes... I'll allow my wife to become number one in my life when really number one in my life should be Christ. Sometimes I'll allow my kids to become number one, but really Christ should be number one. And you're looking at me kind of funny, some of you, but you don't quite understand. Hey, nothing in your life should become before Christ. Christ should be number one. And when He is number one, other things will begin to fall in line and other things will begin to fall in order. Understand, we need to lay aside some of those things that does so easily beset us some of you kids going to school y'all got friends that'll easily beset you some of us that go to work we got friends that'll easily beset us I don't think I'm just picking on the kids there are things in our life that will quickly and easily take us off course so easily they taught us in football when we run or a couple things you're supposed to do never cross the midline Never cross the midline of your body because it takes longer when you do that. You're not running straight anymore. We say, well, I just crossed just a little bit. It'll be all right. Well, then you beset yourself a little bit. And then you beset yourself again trying to correct. And over and over until you're doing this number going down the track and you're not going to ever win the race because you're not running the race that's set before you. You're running this way and you're running that way. There are weights to cast. We need to get some things out of our life. Hobbies. Sometimes work besets us. Friends, family, all these different things. Sometimes these things will beset us from what God has called us to run. And you say, well, these things aren't necessarily sin. No, they're not. But notice, the Bible does not say lay aside the sin that does so easily beset you. That's in there. But it says every weight and the sin... So there are things that are not sin that can still yet beset us from running the race that God has called us to. So understand that it is not necessarily this one thing that is going to take us off course, but there are multiple things that can take us off course. And we need to be cognizant of that and notice that so that we can beset those things, so that we can cast those things off to the side so that we might run what God has called us to. Not only are there witnesses that can pass, weights to cast, but there's a win to claim. And do you really want to win? Tell you, most of you know we were terrible in football when I was in high school. Three years that I started on varsity, we went one and 29. And the one game we won was our very last one as seniors. 
So we went out with a bang, but it was hard getting there. We beat St. Albans, if any of you wanted to know. I tell you, we felt like we had won the Super Bowl. I mean, we stopped at the roadside park. We had pizza. We hooped and hollered. Hey, you, the 29 losses never, didn't matter at that point, but we won this one. But there's a win to claim. And coaches throughout the year, they just keep telling us, just keep plugging away. Hey, y'all got to quit playing to not lose, but you've got to start playing to win. Oftentimes as Christians, what we're doing, we're playing or we're running the race not to lose, but we're not running the race to win. Hey, there is a win for us to claim. There's a finish line for us to cross. There's something that God has called us to, and he wants us to exceed and excel at that. There's a win to claim. We say we're devoted and we want to do this or that for God. But how much training do we do to claim victory? Just for example, I'm not picking on anybody. I don't know what you said you wanted to do for God. But just for example, maybe you ain't ever prayed longer than 15 minutes. You say, I want to be a prayer warrior for God. Well, when's the last time you prayed? When's the last time, I mean, you got serious about it and got down and prayed? Got you a list. I told the youth this other day, I said, hey, you, you need you a list. You need a paper to pray. You need a place to pray. All these different things to help you pray. Oftentimes, we don't pray very long because our mind goes this way and our mind goes that way and we can't focus in on what we're doing. Well, I'll go ahead and tell you, I need me a paper to pray. I can't remember everything I always want to pray for, so I need me a paper that says what it is I want to pray for. And oftentimes when I use my paper to pray, I'll pray longer than what I ever intended on praying. But understand something. If we want to do this or we want to do that for God, we need to be willing to make some sacrifices. We need to be willing to do some training, so to speak. So I want to know God better. Well, when's the last time you sat down and read your Bible to find out more about him? It's not going to work just coming to church on Sunday and never reading anything for yourself. It's not the way that God set it up. Now, God did set it up that you ought to come to church, you ought to listen to what the pastor has to say, and you ought to learn some things that way, but you need to do some growth on your own. There's a win to claim, and oftentimes we're not training enough to win. You see, the best runners in the world are willing to sacrifice to shave their time by I mean the mere slightest. Tell you, I don't. I didn't look up any running records because they really don't matter to me. But uh, Usain Bolt, one of the fastest people alive, training and training and training and training and training, just keep on training, just so he can beat himself. Hey, at the time when he was, I guess he's still the fastest man alive, I don't know. But at the time when he was the fastest man alive, when he broke the record, whatever, then he started training for the next Olympics so that he could beat himself. Well, what kind of sense does that make? Well, isn't that what we ought to do as Christians? Should we not be training so that we can beat ourselves? Should we not be training so that we can beat our flesh, so that our spirit can overcome, so that we can be victorious for God? Should that not be what we're doing? Should we not be willing to sacrifice 10 minutes here or 5 minutes here so that we might become a little stronger in the Lord? There's a win to claim. God desires that we would excel in the Christian walk that we would do our very best say well I'm doing my best I know people who say that especially when it comes to school say why are you grades so bad well, I'm doing my best no you're not I was in high school public school I know it's not very hard 
to get passing grades. So I know you put a little more effort in there. You get up to B and maybe get up to an A. I understand how this works. But oftentimes I'd be in class with people. So I just, I'm just trying my best. I'm just trying my best. But I wonder really how hard were they trying? Were they ever doing anything outside of class to get better? Are we ever doing anything outside of church to get better, to get stronger? Hey, the, God wants us to excel at the race. He wants us to do our very best. And you should want to do your very best. Understand why you should want to do your very best. Because there's a man named Jesus. Robed himself in flesh. Went to the cross of Calvary. Bled and died for you and me. Hey, God bankrupt heaven. Jimmy, I mean, he just absolutely just emptied out everything that he had because he loved you so much. Should we not want to do our best for God? God wants us to excel. Not only should we excel with the wind to claim, but we should be excited about it. We ought to be excited by the fact that there is a goal in mind, that we're heading somewhere. Hey, that there's one day we're going to reach the finish line. One day we'll see Christ face to face and we'll be able to properly thank Him. I can say thank you down here until I die and it's never going to be enough because I still have this flesh. But one day, hey, when I drop this rope of flesh hey, and I stand before Him, I'll be able to thank Him like He truly deserves. Hey, we ought to be excited about the fact that we have a race to run. There's a wind to claim. I believe that when it's all said and done, we'll truly be able to say that it's been worth every mile. Every heartache, every tear, every night that we spent up praying for this one, praying for that one, feeling like we weren't doing much for God or what have you, I believe we'll be able to say it'll be worth every mile when it's finished. Not only is there witnesses that can pass, weights to cast, wind to claim, but there's work to continue. While we run, there's a work that we're supposed to be doing. You see, it says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Looking unto Him. An author is somebody who starts something. A finisher is pretty simple to explain. It's somebody who finishes something. And I don't know how it could be any clearer when on the cross he said it is finished. But understand, there's a work to continue. Even though it is finished, even though Christ did everything he was supposed to do, he's still working. Sitting down at the right hand of the throne of God, making intercession for you and I. And even though we have been saved, even though we have been born again, purchased by God Almighty, hey, there is still yet a work for us to do. There's a work that must continue while we run the race. There's a work to continue. Many of us have started for God, but our stamina has caused us to slow or to even stop. See, we didn't train like we were trying to win. And so our stamina is not what it should be. So we can't keep pressing on when things get difficult, when things get hard. But Christ is the starter, but he's also the sustainer. Looking unto Jesus, that's our example. That's the path we're supposed to follow. One place in, I think it's in the book of Hebrews in chapter 6, I believe it talks about Christ, uh, paraphrasing here, being our forerunner. 
So what this means is that he has went and he has blazed a trail before us, but then he's come back and he's taking us down the same trail he went. So understand that he is the one who has sustained us and he's the one who's going to help us make it to the end. Hey, there is, uh, I forgot my point now, but there is a work to continue. Not only is our work to continue, we read the last of this here, read verses 2 and 3. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. Not only is there a work to continue, but there is a way to consider. The way to consider is Christ. He is our standard. He is the mark. He is the example. So for those that are looking to imitate, they need to understand that they're not looking to imitate us, but they ought to be looking to imitate Christ. Oftentimes when I pray, I say, I don't want my daughters to be like me. I don't want them to be like Brandy, but I want them to be like Christ. I don't want our youth to be like me or to be like this person or that person, but I want them to be like Christ. I don't want them to be like another youth group. I want them to be like Christ. Hey, and understand something. That is the way to consider is Christ. Look what it says here. It says, for consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. So whenever we're running, whenever things get difficult, and we're going uphill, and then we're coming downhill, and then we got to go back uphill just to get to the same elevation we were at before, and thinking, could we not put a bridge in here so this would be a little easier for me? But understand that Christ is the way we are to consider. Christ is the example. He's the standard. He's the mark. That's what we should be striving for as we run the race. As you run your race and as I run my race, the way to consider is Christ. It's not to be like the pastor. It's not to be like the deacon. It's not to be like the Sunday school teacher. No, it's not to be like this church or to be like that church. No, it's to be like Christ. Is that not what Christian means? To be Christ-like? And oftentimes, we get ourselves in a mindset so much that as we're running the race, we want to run like this person or we want to run like that person. But really, we ought, or what we ought to be doing is trying to run like Christ. Amen. To run like the standard. Christ is the one who perfectly pleased the Father. Is that not what we want to do? So I'll close with this. We need to run the race. Say, it's been difficult. Year's half over. I get that. It's been a long year. It seems like it's taken forever to get here in some ways, but in other ways it's been here pretty fast. But you and I need to run the race. As you go to school this week, run the race. As you go to work, run the race. As you go to Walmart, run the race. As you go to Dairy Queen, run the race. Get you a blizzard and keep on going. Run the race. It is so important that we get ourselves into a mindset that we're simply going to run the race that God has set for us. Don't run the race that so-and-so's running. Run the race that God has set for you. As we come and get a song, take a moment of invitation.
We pray that you'd come do business with God. I'm not going to go force you to come up here. I'm not going to say this, say that, but simply, if God has spoken to you, you come do business with Him. There's a